so I'm Sally, recovering overeater, and um, God, it's so much, to, so much to tell you. Hi, everybody. So uh, to qualify, I've been in and out of these rooms 47 years, in the beginning of October. Uh, mostly out, but I'm out. I'm in steadily. It'll be eight years in January. It made a huge difference. And my abstinence is basically three meals a day with a snack in between, but my bottom line is no eating after 8 o'clock at night or, or after dinner, which usually my dinner is even earlier. Yeah. Talk about interruptions. Um, my, my, I sometimes eat dinner earlier. It depends on if coming like 7.30, am I really hungry? I have to look at that, be honest with myself. Am I hungry? Can I make it through until 10 o'clock or 11 before I go to bed? The answer is almost always yes. And I have to be honest with myself. So um, what it used to be like, so I came in when I was 26 years old, but my childhood was very, very difficult. My father was an alcoholic schizophrenic. I have an older brother who took the reins a lot. My, my mom depended on him. My mom tried to hold it together. And I have to say, she did a pretty damn good job. She's going to be 101 in February. She's amazing. I think the best years of her life were her later years, as opposed to her early ones. Her childhood was traumatic, and I'm not going to go into her childhood because I have my own traumatic stuff. <laughs> no, I don't need to go to her stuff. This is my recovery. And my father died when he was 53, and he was, um, it was just crazy and tragic. And when I was becoming 53, I got scared. I said, my God, I'm coming to the same age as my dad died. But people reminded me I didn't have the same life as my father did. And I was in recovery for a while in that, this program and elsewhere. So I, but still, your head takes you all different places. So um, growing up, I, I, did, I was so uncomfortable anywhere I went. School was torture for me because kids would hang out with each other. I knew them, but I didn't hang out with them. They didn't want to hang out with me. And I had trouble learning. I wasn't dyslexic or anything like that. But when people had to read for an assignment, I had to read three times to get it. And it was so frustrating. And I barely passed. I, I just struggled. I wasn't really diagnosed with any ailment with that, but learning, learning disability. But I think it was nervousness because I, it was just so hard for me to, to be in school with anybody. In my own home, I didn't feel comfortable because we didn't know what, what my dad would do or not do. We'd walk on eggshells all the time. It was very, very difficult. And I got married when I was 22, and I was a young 22. And I'm not regretting that I got married to the guy, but I knew that I had to in order to get out of that hellhole. And I'm still friends with him today. He's, I was married seven years. I have a son from that marriage and two grandsons. I don't see them. My daughter-in-law and had, a fall, had a falling out. I overstep boundaries. I admitted it. I apologized. I wrote letters. Nothing. Uh, my grandsons are 16 and a half and 14. And when my 16 and a half year old grandson becomes 18 years old, legally I can reach out to him and my daughter-in-law can't say anything about that. And trust me, people, as I'm sitting here, I will reach out to him. I did see the younger grandson three years ago when my brother came in from back east with one of my great nephews. And I thought, oh, my son brought the younger one for dinner. I said, hmm, this is going to be great. Very short-lived. 
but I, I give everything to God. I give all my relationships to God. I give that situation to God and how I dealt with it. Because people said, how do you do that? You have two grandsons you don't see. I said, I live my life. I give it to God. I pray for my daughter-in-law every morning and for peace and everything else. And I don't concentrate on what I don't have. Because if I concentrated on what I don't have, I'm not going to have all the other great things that I have. So where I started off having very few friends, one-on-ones. I'd be fine with one-on-ones. And i grab you. It's a good thing you didn't know me when I was younger. <laughs> I would grab you. You talk to me. You're my friend for life. I'm not letting you go. That's how, <laughs> that, that, that's how it was for me, literally. I was so scared of not having anybody that if anybody would be talking to me, God forbid, you're in trouble. <laughs> but that's not the way it is today. I have tons of friends to the point that I have to be careful of not overscheduling. That's really a switch. Uh, most of my friends were in program. Some of them are not. I can talk to them, but certain things, they know in program, but I don't go there too long. I love program people. I'm in the, the money program, too. I did a lot of collateral damage in that program. I stole from somebody I worked for. I now work for that guy's daughter and son today. That, that's miracles of my life. So, yeah, it was crazy, crazy time. I ate over my, my money debt. I ate over clutter. I, went, I was in Clutter's Anonymous for a long time. I, um, when I was in this program, I was in Clutter's Anonymous too. And um, I binged over... Nothing. My son would cry. He was two years old. He'd cry, and I'd be, my head would be in the freezer grabbing anything I could grab, whether it was appropriate tea frozen or not, you know. Well, nothing is appropriate tea frozen. Yeah, there is one thing. We don't, yeah, there is one thing, and I did a lot of that one. But I ate things frozen that shouldn't be eaten frozen. I didn't wait for it to be defrosted and crazy. I, I want to share about this because it never happened again, but I got to be got to be clear about this. I had one really, really bad binge in my entire life. It was awful. I was married to my first husband. And by the way, I was married a second time. And he passed eight and a half years ago. And that, I was married to him a long time. But collateral damage on that financially was a lot. But um, when I was married to my first husband, we were going to a steak dinner with, with three of the couples. And it was really going to be beautiful. We didn't get dressed up or anything, but it was a nice steakhouse, I think, in the marina. And we were going to meet these people at 6, 6.30 at night, on Saturday night. I forget what the occasion was. It may not have even been an occasion, but I was looking forward to this. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I had the biggest binge I ever had in my life. How can I have a steak dinner at 6 o'clock or 6.30? I could not do it. I'm going to be with people, and they, they knew me, and they'll say, Sally, are you feeling well? Are you okay? You know, they know I like to have nice meals. I still had the steak dinner, and I was so stuffed even before I had the meal. It, I said to, to God, I never want to go through this again. I still binged after that, but not like I did that time. I don't know what was going on there. I haven't binged in a great, great many years. I may have had a couple slips with that, but um, my absence has been two and a half years that I've been pretty clean. And my food is not perfect. I have to say that. I can't lie and say, oh, my food is perfect. My life is perfect. Everything's great. My life is phenomenal 
to, to compare what it used to be like, and I can't believe it's as good as it is today. My food is even more phenomenal. I never thought it'd be this good. When I was binging over nothing, and my, my meals were binges, they weren't, um, they weren't meals, especially lunch. Lunch, I noticed, was getting snacky and then going to a binge. It was very, very crazy, just crazy. My head was in a very bad space. And I don't go there. I don't have those times anymore. I, I love my life. It's very full. I, I work for individual people. I have the best people in my life. I used to have toxic people that sapped my energy. I can't do it. I don't have the bandwidth for it. And I, I just don't engage with them. I don't encourage them to call me. I, have, I, I don't have anybody in my life today that's like that. Because I can't do that. I used to let anybody walk on me. It was crazy. And I, I, I don't have patience. I don't have the energy. And I don't deserve that. My, my energy is very important to me. And speaking of that, I want to talk about this. I had a toe infection for close to six months. Very recently. I just finished. It just got healed recently. And I said to God, why? Why this? I was debilitated. I, could, I did go out every day. I have to say, I did go out every day, but limited. I'd go out for about an hour, get tired, come back. I worked a little bit, but um, limited for the easy clients. I didn't have to walk stairs and stuff like that. And I get Social Security, so that's really been really huge for me. So I couldn't figure out why God did this for me, to me. And then it occurred to me, when people were calling me, I had to limit the phone calls because my energy was lower. So instead of being on the phone and not caring how long I was on the phone, I limited them to 20 minutes. And I said, I can talk to you, but I can only talk 20 minutes. And people respected that. And I said, well, that's what this was about. This was about my setting boundaries with other people, but setting boundaries with myself what I can do, what I can't do, what's good for me. And people would call, and I wouldn't answer the phone, but I learned to text people back and say, got your message, I can't talk now. Please give me some available times that you can talk, and I can talk 20 minutes. And they would do that. And I made a phone appointment as if I'm meeting somebody in person. And that's what the lesson was, because my people-pleasing was really bad back in the day. I would do a lot of crazy things to make friends, and I don't, I don't do that today. But my people-pleasing came on a different level with this, this foot infection, that I had to set stronger boundaries. And that's what it was all about for me. God said, this is not serious, you're gonna be okay, but I'm, you're gonna learn some lessons here, and you're gonna be grateful that you had this. And I said, grateful, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm thankful, I thank him every day that he get, I had this toe infection. I never thought I'd feel that way. I never thought I'd even think that way. And I do, because it brought me to a different plane in my recovery in so many levels. So when I couldn't take toxic people before, forget it now, <laughs> it's out of the question. I can see them three miles away. I said, okay, they're over there, I'm going over there. Thank you, <laughs> go bother somebody else. And that's, it's just um, the, the awareness is very strong. So I have uh, my, my sponsor, is probably my sponsor for, I lost track, at least six years uh, at this point. I had a sponsor in the very beginning when I first came to OA. Really? <laughs> a lot of noise. 
very, very crazy. Motor, motorcyclists. Does this happen all the time? No, <laughs> just, you. just for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I forgot my train of thought. But I was going somewhere. Oh, five minutes. Great. Um, there was something I wanted to say. Oh, when I first came into OA, I was living in New York. And I went to this big meeting. There was, thank you, perfect. There was um, 80 people at this meeting, and they were talking about always is a selfish program, and I was taught not to be selfish. I was taught to give and to be, not to be selfish. So I didn't understand. But not too long after that, I understood you have to take care of yourself first, then you can give to other people. It's not like you don't give to anybody, but you give to yourself so that you can be whole and then give what you need to. And I, and I moved to California Shortly after that, and I found a home meeting, literally a home meeting. This woman had six or seven people at the meeting, and they were all her sponsor, the sponsees. And it was a very close-knit group. This was um, January of 1976. I came in October 75. And I, we were really close, but there were some personality problems, and the group broke up. Now, in 1976, there were OA meetings in L.A., I couldn't find them. Or did I want to find them? We didn't, we didn't have the internet. Okay, so give me a break, you know. <laughs> but I, now that I'm in the program for, for a long time, I hear people talking that they've been in the program as long as I, that they came in about the same time as me. They found the meetings. I didn't. But I, my, I kept that same sponsor. She, I called her every day at that time. I was very needy. I needed to talk to her every single day. My son was two years old. I was um, a hot mess, and, and things did get better. But then um, she, um, she, she, I lied to her. Okay, she became an ordained priest, and I was getting married to my second husband. I'm Jewish. She wanted to marry me. And instead of me saying, I don't feel comfortable with that, which I would say today, I didn't. I just got married. And then I came back and said, oh, Steve and I got married. What do you mean you got married? I thought I was going to marry you. And, all hell broke loose. She didn't talk to me for 10 years, from like 85 to 95, and didn't have a sponsor, wasn't in this program, wasn't in this program at all at that time. And I am not a liar, but I, I guess I was at that time, wouldn't you say? But um, I did lie to her. And she called me, she apologized to me for breaking the friendship. She says, I, I needed to talk to you further instead of just cutting you off. So she's a very close friend of mine today through all these years. And we don't talk about that. And um, she was a Nazi, spot, not Nazi sponsee, sponsor. That she was very, very rigid, rigid. I can't do rigid. My sponsor in this program and my other program are very soft. They, we talk about things. I'm that way with my sponsees. I, you know... Do the best you can. You get one day at a time, progress, not perfection, and your life can get better. And it doesn't have to be perfect, because my life is not. But it's so much more better than I ever dreamt it would be. And my food and relationships across the board are so good. I, with, with, with my mother, I just want to wrap this up. With my mom, I didn't like her. 
she was always controlling and telling me what to do and telling me what to say. And if I did this, no, you got to do this. You know, it looks so horrible. I adore this same woman today. She's really eased up a lot. I've eased up a lot. We agree on, we agree on a lot of things. We disagree on certain things. She didn't think my dad was an alcoholic. She said he drank because he needed to drone out the, the, the thoughts that were going through his head 24-7. I said, that may be true. He was an alcoholic. He was also schizophrenic. He was both. So we don't talk about that anymore, and don't try to convince her otherwise. I adore this woman, and I talk to her every single day. She lives in Florida. I talk to her at 7 o'clock my time every morning. And when she doesn't answer the phone, I said, oh, my God, what happened? She's always there, and she might be in the bathroom, you know, or something. But uh, she's my heart, and I never, ever thought I'd say that. So things have dramatically changed in my life. Whether I was in this program or not, I'm here to stay. I mean, like I said, I'm steadily back eight years come January, and I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving again. It'll be actually nine years in January. So uh, with that, thank you for letting me share, and thank you. Tammy, she invited me to share. She's not here today. And thank you for all being here. So this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I, 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 me as a leader, please, I need to restate the question after it's asked. And questions end at 9.50. And please set the timer and let me know. So any questions? Go ahead for it. Thank you so much. Um, can you say a little bit more about what you do to um, set the parameters around people-pleasing and... If there are any specific tactics that you use to get to the, the ability other than, you know, an infection on the toe, maybe that's not ideal. So but that's a great question because I used to just walk through those doors and not even think about it. Now if somebody asks something of me, I think about it before I say yes. And I used to say yes to everything because I was a people pleaser and I wanted, it to be, I wanted them to be my friend. I wanted them to like me. And now it's not about that. It's about my my um, self-worth and self-esteem. So if somebody asks something of me, I'll say, let me think about this, I'll get back to you. I, I pause. That's, that, that's a big one for me. It took me a long time to get there, by the way. <laughs> 73 years. <laughs> but it may not be that long for you. <laughs> Go ahead. Um. So have you seen a pattern in what takes you out and what brings you back? Well, this is fascinating. What brought me back, well, gosh. Um, you know, I don't remember. I've been in and out so many times. I can't count. From 1970, um, I was in, like, for two years, I think, and then I was out for, like, 20 years. Um, what brought me back originally was I went to a, another meeting, I went to ACA for about 10 years. And when I, I thought ACA was gonna solve all my problems, right? Mm -hmm. Bring it back to the very beginning because that's where it all started. But ACA brought me back here in 1996, I came back. And I, 
but I stayed maybe about six, seven years. I don't know why I left. But 2014, January 2014, um, when I came back, the last time that I've been back steady, it's a great, great question. Thank you for reminding me to talk about this. Uh, God said to me, you need to go back to OA. And I was out of, out of the OA for quite a while. And I, I was arguing with him. I said, why? My food was pretty good then. I wasn't binging at all. And my life was pretty good. He says, don't argue with me. Just, <laughs> just, just go back. So that was January uh, 18th, actually, 2014. <coughs> my husband passed away April of that year. He wanted me to have more people in my life that I could talk to. And, and I said, okay. Don't question God. If you get a strong sense of what he's saying to you, there's a reason. Because I didn't see that. I mean, my husband was sick for a long time, but I didn't know he was going to die in three months, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's what brought me back. And I am never leaving again. I have no reason to. I get so much but by my fellows, and I learn so much. I'm in my program 19 years straight, and I'm still learning stuff. So I, I thought, oh, I, I don't need this. I'm okay. Yeah, that, that's the danger. When you think you, 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 you're okay, you better question if it because you're not okay. <laughs> well, you might be in that moment, but then you'll find out soon enough you are not okay. Yeah, thank you for that question. Yes, Kathy. I haven't personally you get mad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because my friends don't don't get me to that place, you know. I, I guess I have to be pushed hard, but I used to yell at my husband all the time. <laughs> Live with me, and you, you might change your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do we get mad or impatient? Uh, it, it was. Oh, patience. That was a big one. I, oh, I was very, I was on the edge all the time. And I said, you know, God's going to take care of this. Whatever it is. Something simple, something big. I learned patience at this program. But yeah, I get mad. And I, more at myself probably than anything else. But not that much. I'm, I'm pretty easygoing and, and I love people. I love people. And I put a cat down three months ago, my last cat, and loved, loved having animals, but I'm okay with not having any. I like my space. So it's just me. It's just me in my apartment, and I love it, actually. But yeah, I, I get mad, but I, when I do get angry, I s express it. I don't fly off the handle. That's what I used to do. I used to just keep it in because, oh, I want these people to like me. I can't say anything. And now I'll say, you know, what you, what you just said just um, hurt my feelings. Well, whatever it did, I speak up in the moment instead of keeping it in. That took 73 years, too. <laughs> not, not quite. I don't know. Not, thank God, not quite. Yeah, but it took a long time. Any other questions? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, uh, that's Throughout your recovery, did you have any issues uh, with being honest about the food to yourself and to others? And if so, what did that look like? Oh, always. I always said, oh, this is a snack. This is a, <laughs> this is just a snack. It was not a snack. Um, I had I never really had trouble 
eating at night. I didn't do that, but for about five or six years I did, up till about two years ago, two and a half years ago when I stopped doing that. And at 10 o'clock at night, I'm eating something. Oh, I'm hungry. It's a snack. I didn't have any snacks today. So I cheat, you know, I lied to myself. But when you're eating at 10 o'clock at night, you're not going to go to bed 10.30. And you're not going to go to bed 11. I was going to sleep at 12, 1, and even later. So I, I said, I, I, can't, I have to stop this. So I came up at the 8 o'clock hour because that was reasonable. That wasn't too early. wasn't too late. And I can go to bed at 10.30 and feel like I'm okay. I'm not hungry. I'm not going to be starving. That I have to have something before I go to bed. It's a, your, mind, your mind plays tricks on you, which makes you lie to yourself. Did I answer your question? I hope I did. Yes, go ahead. Hi, Sally. Um, could you talk a little bit about your journey through the steps? I mean, were there any that were particularly difficult for you um, to get through and what, what that journey was like through the step work? So, I always believed in God. I didn't even talk about that part. Even as a young girl, even when things were really awful, I always believed that there was a power greater than me that was going to get me through everything. And even though I messed up in certain things in my life, God was there for me and got taken care of. Um, I love the steps. There was nothing, um, the sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly thing, the six and seven sometimes, because I said, well, I've been working on this forever. Why is this not removed, you know? But it's, all, it's God. And all I have to do is just live my life, just like I do in spite of the fact that I don't see my grandsons. I live my life, and sooner or later, things are alleviated. Some are still there. People-pleasing is still there, but I recognize it where it was in my face and I walked through the doors. I, now it takes me a while. Wait, is that... I think I people please there. I have to question it because it's so far out of my my peripheral vision. So things have changed so much in that area too. And if the, if the, something's not removed, then there's a reason for it. I need to do more work on it. With my toe thing, I thought it was going to be like a month or two, six months. And I said, talk about patience. But I, but I I I have a lot of hobbies, and that got me through a lot of stuff. I was reading and I made crafts and I, I always talked to people. I, I didn't isolate. One thing I did not do is isolate. I go on a lot of Zoom meetings in this program and elsewhere and I was on my meetings. And so, um, but thinking that if you're working on something it's gonna go away sooner, sometimes it did. There was sort of things I really didn't even work on that seemed to say, well, I haven't had to do that in a long time. And then other t other things stay a while, but and they all they may always be there, but it'll be in a much lesser lesser degree. Like you you know it's there, but God it used to be there a lot and hot and heavy, and it's much much lighter. Yeah. Oh, Deanna, hi. Hi, Sally. Sorry if you covered the same this year, um, but do you have meditation practice? So what does that look like? So that's interesting you say that. Wow, that's been brought up a lot. Um, I, I used to journal a lot from this program. I used to journal every morning, and I felt that that was my meditation. But now I, I don't do that that much. And if things are really getting a little bit too much, then I start journaling. I say, okay, I need to 
calm down, I need to talk to God. I talk to God all the time. God's always in my presence. But sometimes I need to put the pen to paper and then I'll do that. But I don't, I don't have a practice per se. And I, 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 I do go to a meeting early in the morning. It's a friendly 12-step uh, people that um, we, we meditate for 10 minutes, we journal for 10 minutes, we do some stretching for five minutes and then we plan our day. I have to tell you, I don't do any of it I read during that time. And I'm talking about novels, not, not program stuff, but I'm being honest. But I feel like if, I've, if at any time if I'm stuck, I, I have God with me all the time. And may, maybe, just maybe, it's not a bad idea to bring God more and do more of a true meditation thing. Thank you for calling me out on that one. <laughs> Thank you, Deanna. We'll talk later. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. What do you do about regrets? You know, it's so... Oh, God, that's so fascinating you brought that up. When I look back in my life, and there's a lot of regrets I had, if I had to do my life over... I wouldn't change a thing because I learned from every one of those things that happened that I, that I, that I did or didn't do. There's mostly stuff that I didn't do, but I could still do them. And if I did do wrongs, I learned from them. And I said, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't want to re, redo. And ha, I, I, I was thinking life would be great if I could just stuff from the beginning, redo everything and have a fresh slate, but to say I don't have any regrets, I don't have that many, because I've tried to make my wrongs right. If I made a mistake with people, I, the, the guy I stole from forgave me right away. I worked for him for many, many years. He died three years ago, but I was working for his son even before he passed away, and now I work for his son and daughter. So yeah, I regret that. That was a bad one, but God forgave me, and the guy get, forgave me. And I can't go back and, and do any, um, anything more. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, God, that's a, that's a really great question. <laughs> you guys are giving me a lot to think about. I'm going to I'm gonna have to journal about this stuff later. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You talked about uh, toxic people into your life. How do you avoid them and when you have to deal with them, how do you deal with them? Oh boy. Um, I don't call them back. The, the people that are toxic are not my friends. Okay, They're more acquaintances and I just can't deal with it. And I know who they are. And when you don't Maybe this isn't the best approach because you're not going to say, don't call me anymore because you're too toxic for me. You're not going to do that. <laughs> Ideally, that would be the great thing, but we don't do that in this life. And so uh, there was a gal in particular in my other program that would reach out to me a lot. And I would let her call me back a few times before I returned her phone call. Eventually, they get the message. Um, it may not be the ideal way if anybody else has any other ways to deal with that. I'm open to that too. But I don't have that in my life anymore, so I don't have that problem. But maybe you guys do. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of them out there, I'll tell you, that are toxic. But um, 
I can tell them a mile away so I know not to get close to people right away, feel them out and see where they're coming from because I'm very sensitive to that. And I don't want to rule people out because I've been wrong before and then I say, oh, you know what? I was too quick to judge this one and they, they became very near and dear to me. But you can make mistakes and you could retract on them and have a relationship with these people. But if you feel it, then just don't, don't just try not to engage in it. Yes, go ahead. How do you work through criticism? Oh, I've had tons of that. <laughs> <laughs> My mom used to criticize everything I did. I couldn't do anything right by her. So I stopped trying because I couldn't please her anyway. But, um, but, but people aren't really criticizing me these days. Or if they're, they're thinking it, they're not saying it to me. I don't know. In your history. In your history? Um, oh, five minutes left. Right? Um, well, I used to cry. I used to be very upset when people said something. Then when somebody said something to me, I said, well, somebody's saying this. Maybe there's some truism to it. So I would look at it and say, you know, I didn't see this, but you know what, that person does have a point. And then I'd look at it, and I'd be careful not to do it again. If I may have hurt somebody's feelings, let's say, and didn't realize it. Or if I, if I was joking, but they didn't take it that way, so I had to be careful with my words <coughs> when I say something. So I, I look at it more introspectively, but I used to cry. I used to be very upset. And now I said, there's lessons learned. And you learn, because you don't see everything you do. At least I don't. I live alone. There's, there's nobody to pick out. Uh, wait a minute, Sally. There's something going on here. But um, I do see a lot more than I used to. And I catch it, and I, if somebody says something, I look at it and say, good point. And I don't get upset about it. I, it's a grace, because if I don't see it, it needs to be, if somebody notices it, then there's something there, possibly. I, I look at the whole spectrum, and most of the time, there's something that I'm glad that they told me. A few minutes left, anybody else have any, any questions? Uh, do you? Thanks so much for your share, Sally. Uh, do you uh, have sponsees, and how do you uh, sponsor? I do. I I have one because I have three in my other program, and that's the thing about self care. I'm very big on self care, not to overburden, but I love outreach calls. So. Uh, what I do with my sponsees, I have them call once a week. We have a set time, and I'll give them half hour. And then they're not really working their steps right now. One, one actually is in my, all my sponsees. They've all worked their steps at some point. And whatever they have to tell me, we talk about it. We, they might have some issues. We talk about it. Um, so they're in touch with me on a regular basis. And, um, and I wasn't doing that with my sponsors. I was asking my sponsors to call me, but I wasn't calling mine. So I, I changed that this year. I said to my, my OA sponsor and my DA sponsor separately, I said, you know, I'm asking my sponsors to call me, and they do. But do I call you on a regular basis? So on Wednesday at 4, I talk to my OA sponsor, and Thursdays at 7 p.m., I talk to my DA sponsor. So, you know, it's it's not do do as I say, do do as I say, not do as I do kind of thing. I I I do what I say to other people. 
It's interesting that I saw that. I picked that out. Nobody told me about that. <laughs> and I took action on it. Somebody else had a question, I think. I was just going to say, do you have any, um, thank you again, um, do you have any, you know, negative self-talk? And if you do have any negative self-talk or in your experience, how do you deal with it? Okay, it used to come up because I heard everybody say about um, the committee, and I said, what committee? I'm not relating to that. I don't have that. But things did come up, and I said, like if if I was going to have a confrontation with somebody, and I would do a conversation, like what they would say, what I would say, and I said, stop, just stop, because it may not even be that way, and it never was that way. The reality was the person said something, and it was very gentle, and it was wonderful. But I made it like a drama in my head, and I don't want to go there because I don't need I don't need to be toxic for myself if I don't want toxic from other people. So I stop. It doesn't come up often, but I, I notice, I said, no, we're not going there. Forget it. Let it go. And I give it to God, and then I let the thing happen the way it's supposed to happen, and it's always been great. Easier said than done, because if I didn't have it that much, but I know other people did, I know it could be a big problem. But if you could stop it as soon as it starts, it, it, you're better off, yeah. Okay. And anybody else? Yes, go ahead. Hi. Um, so you spoke about that you had a lot of trauma growing up. Um, I was wondering, can you touch upon how, if this was your experience, you went from a, from a victim like perspective to like then taking ownership for or like kind of transforming that to not be a victim of the trauma? And what was that like? I don't know if I felt, I, I don't know if I felt like I was a victim, but I felt totally powerless. I had all these strong personalities. I'm the youngest of my family. I just want to wrap up. My father was the oldest in his family. My mom was the oldest in hers. My brother was older than me. I didn't stand a chance to become a strong person. But I, I did. Because I, I learned to stand up for myself and not, not to... Uh, there's actions I can take. If in any given situation, there's actions I can take. And if I see that I can take them, and I said, I can do that. I can say this. I can do that. It gives me more... Um, more victory, as opposed to being um, powerless. And, and I learned that al along the way, that even strong personalities, I got them. I got those people. <laughs> Don't mess with Sally. <laughs> you used to be able to, but no more. So the time is up. Thank you so much.